Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury, with your hosts, Aaron Martin and Mariah Morgan. Welcome back to the Making Headway Podcast. I'm Aaron, And this is Mariah. And we're just hanging out today. It's about time we had a hangout, I think. And it uh, it's is. been... A little bit of a whirlwind of a couple weeks, at least in my world. I don't know about you. It's just been Same. a little bit wild. Um, how have you been doing? What's new? Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, for me, life is kind of the same, but things are definitely picking up at my um, work. You know, we're kind of getting out of all the craziness of COVID. Not that it doesn't still exist, but we've... yeah. It, it interrupted how we did things so much. And I think we kind of are in more of a routine. So now we're starting to do all the other work we needed to do. And it's starting to get yeah. really and busy for my... For any new yeah. listeners, Erin is a nurse. So when yeah. she says that COVID interrupted her work, she really means it. <laughs> <laughs> it really, really did. Um, yes. So yeah, I think, you know, we're starting to get back on the bandwagon of working on other types of projects and for me, um, in my position, that means leading some of these projects, which can be scary having new changes cognitively and, you know, just trying to still also maintain my own boundaries. Um, Mm. it's, yeah, it's easy to listen to that negative of, I can't do it. Or, you know, now, you know, my brain doesn't work the same. What if, what if I crash and just listening to myself? Yeah. What about you, Mariah? I know you've been going through a lot. Uh, Work's been crazy in a good way, too. I mean, I think because people are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, um, the economy is starting to boom even more. And that means more marketing work. I work in marketing, so we're very much affected by the ebb and flow of um, COVID's impact on the economy. And it feels awful complaining about how busy we are, but we're so busy. <laughs> and because it's I own the business, I mean, yeah, it's, it's good and it's bad. And I, I know exactly what you mean about that, like negative self-talk, but I'm in this weird position where I can't let that stuff get to me because I own the business and it's like, okay, well, sometimes a lot of the time, if I don't do it, then nobody does it. So I can't ever let that get to me. I just have to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't have the space to talk myself out of something because then nothing gets done. <laughs> Which is an so, awesome skill. I mean, it, yeah, it's also, I mean, it's like, I, I found actually that that is something that, um, is one of my greatest, uh, strengths and weaknesses. And I don't know if it's like the way I was raised or just part of my personality, but I've just always had this confidence that I can do stuff. Um, And if somebody says I can't do something, then it pisses me off enough that I will do it just to prove that I can do it, which isn't always great. But also, you know, like I have that thing where I I can notice now when I am capable of doing something but should not tackle it. Whereas that was always pre-brain injury an issue. I think that's a boundaries lesson for me is like, you know, learning that Like just because you are able to do something does not mean that you are the person for that job in the workplace, at home, in life in general. I do that a lot with my family. It's like I'm the one who just steps into roles, but um, just because I can be the communicator or I can um, 
be the calmer in situations or I can negotiate between people who are disagreeing does not mean I need to do that. So, yeah. That's interesting. That's a, it was brain injury that brought that on for you. Yeah. To, like, yeah. And I'm really, and listen. really grateful for that lesson. Um, mm. But that said, like at work, I don't always have that luxury because I don't always have backup for things. Um, we're a small team. And, and so um, sometimes I'm like, I should not be doing this job, but there's no one else to do it. So I am doing this job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And I want to reflect um, on something you mentioned about um, confidence being such mm-hmm. a skill. You know, we always had the confidence that we could do anything. And for me, I think that's a lot of what's behind my negativity talk. Because I, you know, prior, my self-worth was in my intelligence and my ability to just be able to figure it out, get it done, don't get tied in the stress of it, just do it. And Mm -hmm. that has really changed for me, how my brain functions and the speed at which it can figure things out is different now. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much I relied just on the fact that you, you know, can quickly come up with answers and know what to do. And now it's that I need to take it slower. I really need to listen and figure it out before just jumping in. It's working differently. Yeah. Do you feel like fear has crept in a little for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's interesting because I think my reaction to brain injury was to ignore what was happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you seem to be a lot more conscious of it. I mean, I think there's pros and cons to both of those approaches. Like I, I should have had a little more fear, <laughs> especially in the year after my brain injury about like, you know, whether I was doing too much, whether I was jumping back into things too soon, whether I was, um, tackling things that maybe I should not be tackling. Um, maybe somewhere in the middle is the right place to be. <laughs> I think so. Cause when you allow yeah. the fear to control you, then you're not moving at all. You're just stuck. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where I, I can, I feel stuck to be completely honest. Like the fear can get you just down there. And that's been Mm -hmm. a huge part. I know we talk all the time on this show about therapy, but really getting behind where the fear comes from has been, um, it's huge and it's something I'm still working on. But my therapist Mm -hmm. has really helped me see kind of where, you know, certain ways that you're raised or things that you believe or, uh, you know, what's, what's in the background that's kind of setting you up to be fearful. And just being aware That's of interesting. that. Interesting that you mentioned that because I literally yesterday saw on my news feed um, an article. I think it was in Newsweek. And it's about the role of um, birth order and personality. Because there's, I think, hmm. since the beginning of time, been this debate about whether nature versus nurture, right? Like whether being the first, second or third or beyond child, um, how much of an influence that has on your personality or um, whether, you know, like we assume that it does, but whether it really does. And, um, the article was saying that, that a a pretty recent study was saying it does have an impact, but not as significant as we've always assumed. That said, there are like billions of books out there that say the opposite. So I don't really know, you know, but, um, but for me, and I wonder if you can relate, I'm a first child. And for me, that 
anytime I do have paralysis, it's fear of failure for me. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, Mm. and I, you know, I'm a first child too, and I don't know if it's, you know, we feel that we're like carrying the torch for the family and for the Mm. other kids. And you're kind of from the time you're little, you're the example, right? Like you're, you know, don't do that. Be a good example for your brothers and sisters. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, there's a lot of that. And I think we both share a little bit of that overachiever, a student, like we can do Mm -hmm. it. Um, and when you fail or if you feel like you're going to fail, that that's never been an option for us before. Yeah. So what's going to happen if you do? And yeah. Yeah. And I've said this before. I don't know if you feel this way too, but like even at age 37, I still fear like one of my greatest fears is letting my parents down, even though, you know, like I am very much an adult woman, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it still matters to me that their opinion of what I'm doing with my life is a positive one, Mm -hmm. which maybe is a good thing. Maybe is a bad thing. You know, I think it comes with, you know, a lot. But, um, but there comes a time when you have to let some of that go. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. You need to do for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You need to do for you. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like I'm, I'm still coming into that. Um, maybe you never really do. Maybe you do. I don't know. I'm just, I'm in a place now where I have a lot less fear of, you know, opinions of me, um, especially outside of my family. Um, even inside my, like I've shed a little bit of that too, but, and, um, you missed our interview with Joe. Um, but part of that conversation <laughs> was we were, Joe has a bunch of survivor too. So listeners out there, um, go listen to our interview with Joe Borges, who's a stroke survivor. We did that for May, which is stroke awareness month. Anyway, Joe has a bunch of tattoos that are related to his, um, brain injury. And I was saying, I have really wanted a tattoo for a long time since my brain injury, really. Um, but the biggest barrier for me is what are my parents going to say? Because they've always been against that. I mean, like, no, no extra piercings. You know, if you're a lady, you get to, but nobody gets a tattoo mm-hmm. <laughs> in my family. <laughs> and it does not matter to me personally, but like the thing holding me back is like, are my parents going to never speak to me again? But honestly, if they never speak to me again, cause I get a tattoo. Mm, right. It's, I don't know what kind of parental love that is. <laughs> so, <laughs> they'll speak to me. It's, you know, right. But, it would seem a strange but he place and I were to saying, draw the sand, line in the sand. Yeah. So we were saying my brain anniversary in November, I'm going to go to New York it. and get my tattoo. Mm-hmm. Why New York? So, do you have a favorite tattoo? Because I'm one of those weird people who has no tattoos, but I follow like at least ten <laughs> tattoo <laughs> artists on Instagram, and the one I love the most is in New York. So, awesome. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to get a tattoo, if it's going to be on my body it's, forever, it better be really freaking good. Because mm-hmm. that's until best. now has has always been my paralysis. Is like, what if I get sick of it? You know, mm-hmm. but I feel like I've been thinking about this for two years now. So I would say there are no thinking about it for two years and your intuition tells you that you should do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that, um, commercial 
with the tattoo that's no regrets, but it's no, no regrets. Yes. <laughs> I do fear that that might be me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, anyway, well, but speaking awesome of that one. sort of like coming into your own thing, one thing that, um, I feel like I'm finally coming back into my own with is, um, my own fitness. And mm. we've talked about this like quickly on, on past episodes, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, I used to be a runner, like a pretty good runner. I'm not going to the Olympics, but like, I was always proud of my performance and, um, Guys, she's quick. there was a time <laughs> she's a good runner. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Distance, you had, yeah. But you, yeah. but, um, you were good. I had, there was a time when, when I was running half marathons a lot where I was, you know, like, um, seeing a personal trainer once a week and I've always hated doing weights. So I would skip, skip it except for my personal trainer. And I was running, you know, at least five days a week. And then my son was born and I tried to get back into it, but I, you know, like when you have a little one, it's just really hard. And then I got hit by a car (laughs) (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, like, like a year after a year and a half after I started to try to get back into it, but I just wasn't, I don't want to say motivated cause I did want to be running again. Um, but I just, I just couldn't quite, I, I wonder if I just wasn't in the right place in my recovery to be doing it. Like it never felt good. And I think for me, you know, you have to like running if you're going to do it regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't like it at the time. You know, I felt like I was doing it to try and like get back to where I was. And for me, that's been a huge hurdle to get over is stop measuring myself by my pre-brain injury fitness. Um, so then I got pregnant with my daughter and I was like, ah, screw this, I'm done. <laughs> And so a a couple months ago, I was like, okay, you know what? Let's try this. But I'm only going to do this. Like I set a new standard basically for myself. I was like, I'm only going to do this if it makes me feel good. And I am not going to push myself harder than I should be pushing myself. I am going to keep this really tame because that's the other thing I was kind of afraid of is like, you know me, I'm black or I'm white, like I'm in or I'm out. And that means Troy, your husband, same way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why we're good Mm -hmm. workout buddies. It's like, (laughs) if we're going to commit to something athletically, then we are going to commit to it and we're going to go hard. And um, post brain injury, that's not always an option. Um, You know, like I have really good days where I can push my body, but is that the right thing for my body? And is my body going to pay for it the next day or the following days? Probably. So, yeah, I was like, okay going to take it easy. Um, not like not trying to sweat. I'm just trying to not max myself out. So I've been doing the spin bike. And then a couple weeks ago I started, I had a personal trainer put together like a schedule for me. Um, and I explained to her all of my issues, vestibular, everything so that she knew like what needed to be worked around. Um, no burpees for me, turns out, which I'm fine with, but ah, <laughs> oh, shucks. I think everyone's no burpees. For a good burpee. Sarah Howe actually was the person who was like, It's okay not to do burpees. And I was mm-hmm. like, Okay, if Sarah Howe said I don't have to do burpees, then I'm okay. I don't have to do burpees. There are other forms of working out. Um, 
Yeah. So I've been following this schedule that she's done for me and doing, you know, the, the spin bike. And I had not run. First of all, it's New Hampshire and it's spring. So the weather's kind of crappy. But yesterday it was like spitting rain and it was a little chilly, but I was like, you know what? It's Saturday. I'm going to run. I'm just going to, I'm going to try and do three miles. We'll see how we do. That's the goal. And if I feel good, I'll do a little bit more. And if I, my body's not feeling it, then I will not do the three miles. And so I got out there and Aaron's to our listeners, Aaron's done this run with me before. So she knows what I'm talking about, but there's this running route that we used to do a whole lot. And it goes out to, we live on the coast of New Hampshire. The, what is it? 11 miles of coastline, nine right. miles of coastline. Very I short. Remember. <laughs> Very short. Not distance. much coastline, <laughs> but it's beautiful. And, um, this running route that we have is like goes out to the water to this town that's on an island, but there are bridges to get there and there are three bridges. And from my house, the second bridge, the start of the second bridge is the turnaround point if you're going to do a four mile run out and back from my house. And I, like I said, gray day, spitting rain. I wasn't wearing enough clothes. It was chillier than I thought it was. And I was like, I got out there and I was like, I don't feel great, but we're going. And yeah. it, I, I made it to that two mile turnaround point. And when I saw the start of that second bridge, I literally while running burst into tears because it's really the first time that I've seen that turnaround on a run in maybe three years, four years. Amazing. I don't know how long it's been a long time. And it was like happy tears. I was just like, I, you know, like I feel really impressed with my body. Like, you know, we out here, we doing this. I made it to the turnaround and I ran all the way home and I'm super sore today because it's a very different muscle group. It turns out from what you're using on the spin bike. But I just like, you know, this little body has been through a lot. It's had two babies. It got hit by a car. Here we are. Mm -hmm. And and I was just, I don't know. Of, it's like, like the mental piece of that, even though you're sore, like mentally you must be soaring. Like, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's like, Good job. I don't know that I necessarily ever have to run a half marathon again or a marathon again, but I kind of would like to, to prove that I can still do it. Like, um, but I'm not striving for that anytime soon. It's just mm -hmm. like, I don't know. It's just kind of an affirmation that like, I, I can make it to that four miles. I can make it to, you know, a half marathon again, if I want to, I know I can, it's yep. just a matter of finding the time to do it. And also exactly. taking it easy on myself. But this like this truly has been a new approach to fitness for me that I've never been able to handle <laughs> before. It's for me, it's like on the on the what is it on the cart or off the cart? On the uh, wagon, yes. on the wagon, on the wagon or off the wagon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's like there's, you know, like if I miss a day in a schedule, usually then I'm I just stop working on something. Like, oh, I missed a day, you know. Right. Um, See, I think I've always been less of the athletic mindset because I am not naturally blessed as an athlete. Um, so having this like, let's just do it because it feels good. And this is my goal has been more of where I've been. So I don't keep up with you and Troy as well. <laughs> but it's <laughs> well, a, I don't know it's if that's a different a way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an OK yeah, way it, of doing it. It is a different a different way of doing it. And honestly, like how many times have we talked about post brain injury, letting the facade go? Mm -hmm. Um, 
the whatever it is that makes you feel like you impress other people. For me, now that I'm actually talking to you about this and thinking about it a little more, I think the difference is pre-brain injury, some of that athletic performance was not for myself. It was for like being able to be better than others or prove that I was somehow like talented or, you know, like having that Girl Scout badge of, you know, like a good time in a race that does not matter to anybody. It turns out like nobody really cares. Yeah. <laughs> turns out. But now that's not what it's about because it doesn't really matter to me anymore. Um, it's more, does this make me feel good? Does this make my body feel good? And also I feel like my body deserves a little bit of love and credit after all it's been through. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about pushing my body. It's about caring for my body. Mm-hmm. So That's exactly yeah. it. And using your There's my fitness of- revelation. It, yeah. <laughs> That, that's what I've had too. Like I, I had never really put much thought into the fact that a lot of the times when you're working out, like at the gym and there's mirrors everywhere and there's people way more fit and way less fit than you, it Mm -hmm. almost had turned into a time of body shaming for me. Like if I, Mm -hmm. if I lost my focus on what I'm doing for me and started looking around, it was like, oh, well, you know, you need to work on this because of that and this because of that. And now- Mm -hmm. Post brain injury, it's more, you know, do I feel good in my skin? Yeah. Then that's good enough. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the comparisons don't matter. Yeah. And that's part of it for me too. I, and interestingly, so when I signed up with this personal trainer, um, Kat Falk, I will, we can put her link in the show notes. She's awesome. Um, she, like has a questionnaire that you fill out. And one of the questions was, what are your priorities? And I was like, kind of smiling to myself as I was writing my priority down, because for me, it might've at one point been my weight and making sure that I was not, you know, fluctuating too much or like wanting to lose weight. But that doesn't even factor for me anymore. Like, sure, there are places I would like to lose weight, but it's just not a priority. The priority is, is my body healthy? Mm-hmm. And is that making me happy? And mm-hmm. if my genes fit better, fantastic. But it's, it's, that's not the goal anymore. Um, so. And I really and realized. I, and I also. Oh. <laughs> oh, I also was, I was going to say, I also am at the point where I care very much about my food and what I'm putting into my body, but I am not willing to sacrifice enjoyable food forever. (laughs) Um, because for me, it's been moderation lately. So, you know, like, am I going to have a cookie when I want a cookie? Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. I also think my body deserves that cookie. (laughs) Right. And that, yeah, like really listening to those triggers for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much dairy free. I'm pretty much, you know, uh, I I do Mm -hmm. some meat, but I do a lot of veggie based things. But if I want a piece of bread that has gluten in it, or if I want to have a piece mm. of cheese, I'm going to have it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think, like you said, it's all about that moderation. Um, yeah. Like, I'm a mostly a good eater. But I I feel like the restriction, it's the same as, yeah. you know, the exercise mentality. Mm-hmm. You can't go black or white with that, mm-hmm. you know, like, it doesn't really benefit you in the long run for me at least, it has meant that I swing back and forth between bad food and 
eating healthy and then, and restricting and then like binging and then, you know. Right. So. I'm more yeah. into the lifestyle approach. Like if it's something, yeah. if my eating or my exercising is something that I can't maintain for the long term, then for me, it's probably not worth doing it because I won't stick with it. Mm-hmm. If it's something that I can easily manage into a normal life and it doesn't feel like I've given up a ton of stuff, then it's much easier to keep doing. Yeah. Um, well, and I think like know, maybe there's some, at least for me, there's like this, I don't know. Okay, not maybe, definitely there is for me. Post-brain injury, I think a lot more about like life being too short and wanting to make sure that I have joy where I can find it. And for me, I find joy in food, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is definitely a part of it too. And then the other thing is I think about my kids and like, do I want them to see a parent who is restricting food um, constantly or eating badly constantly? No and no. Um, I want them to, you know, find some balance and have healthy habits, um, but also be able to have those like joyful food moments that we like to share. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Just setting up healthy eating habits for the long term for your family and the workout mm-hmm. habits too. Um, that it's yeah. okay if you're not, you know, I, I used to fall into the trap of, well, I'm not an athlete, so I don't, you know, there's no physical activity that's going to be good for me because I'm bad at it, you know, like that comparison. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, once I started just doing it for me, um, I'm not it's not that you're good or bad. It's that you're able to do it to your own skill level and that's okay. Yeah. Like you don't always Mm -hmm. have to be on this comparison thing. Exactly. Um, And another thing with all of this, um, the mental health piece of exercising and of eating, like I did not realize how much I relied on, you know, that workout that I'd have or that like fun meal that we'd put together until I couldn't do it. Like when Mm -hmm. I was flat on my back with brain injury, you know, really for a good four or five, maybe even six months, I could not work out without a lot of pain. And um, I think that's when a lot of my depression really started too. you know, towards the end of that, because I just, I, I didn't realize how much my mental health needed it. Mm-hmm. Those chemicals that get released, they are pretty fantastic. I, and I have noticed a significant difference in my um, mental health since I've started like getting back into a workout routine. I and I definitely have struggled because like during pregnancy, I was not ever one of those people who could exercise comfortably. Props to the women who can. Um, but just for me, it was not comfortable. So I, you know, with my oldest, I did, I worked out a couple times a week, but I stopped running completely because that did not feel good. And <laughs> I then with my, imagine how it would. <laughs> the no. women that can do it. And then with amazing. my, and then with my daughter, I just stopped entirely because I was like, you know, and also it was lockdown for the second half of that pregnancy. So there was like really not going anywhere. And, mm. um, also a significant yeah. impact on mental health. <laughs> yes. Yeah, seriously. So, <laughs> Um, so yeah, but I, but I am glad to be able to bring those endorphins back, the exercise endorphins. So makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of kids, 
Um, that has been like a major source of fatigue for me lately. Not the kids themselves, because that's like a baseline level of fatigue, <laughs> a joyful level of fatigue. But, <laughs> um, but my daughter is 10 months, as you know, and they had a COVID exposure in her uh, daycare classroom. And um, so it was like, so much anxiety, you know, like I, I literally was at the point where I was like, if my 10 month old has COVID because of this, I am going to lose it. I feel like I've already lost it a little during all of this, but this is really going to be like what breaks me. And then it, then they told us it was actually a baby in the classroom who had had COVID. And it was like that. Did I was like, oh, my God. All right. Now I'm really starting to lose it. And then they were like, actually, just kidding. It was a false positive test. <laughs> so you don't have to quarantine your baby. You can send your baby back to school. And then by the end of that day, they had been like, actually, even though it was a false positive, the state of New Hampshire is requiring that all the babies continue to quarantine. So we had last week was just like a brutal week for our family because it was like, it's terrible. It's fine. It's terrible. You know, you know like you need help. You need childcare. You don't need childcare. You do need childcare. Right. <laughs> and Annette and I were exhausted by the Like I like I said earlier to you when before we were recording, we limped into this Friday because we were so tired. Like I had a crazy work week. I had a big presentation I was preparing for. He's been busy at work. You know, both kids have been great, but just like in a phase where they're very hands on and just like the added anxiety was like being stuck on a roller coaster that you are not allowed off of. And, um, Ooh, and we had just eating. gotten our first vaccines too. So we had gone from like ah. the high of like, this is the beginning of the end. Things are getting better to like, Oh wait, just not a really. reminder. All this is still here. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, and, and it did like last week for me was a really good reminder of, um, the fact that brain fog and fatigue are still a very real thing for me. Maybe one of the very few last lingering symptoms that I don't know if I'll ever be able to slough off. Um, but yeah, I had a couple super late nights working really late um, because I had missed a bunch of days at work. So that meant the work doesn't go away. You're just mm -hmm. pushing it into hours that you wouldn't normally work. And um, so just feeling like I couldn't catch a break. And also I'm realizing like I don't have the ability to work late nights like I once did. Um, I'm not like a powerhouse in, in that respect anymore. And I'm okay with that. But there have been so many times during the pandemic where it does not matter because mm -hmm. the work has to happen if we're going to survive, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been an interesting like poke or reminder that like got to take care. So fortunately, I was just listening to Nikki Kokaiko Cochran's episode, um, which all talks about sleep and how if you're deprived of sleep for a short time and then you have the ability to recover, it's not going to have it's probably not going to have a long term effect. You do have the ability to recover. So hopefully yeah. this upcoming week is going to be better so you can recover <laughs> a little bit. Eh? Yeah, I'm already. Well, I will say I'm already feeling a lot better having had two solid good nights of sleep. But um, awesome. but yeah, it was just one of those it's, one of those weeks. Yeah, it's still a thing. 
And as much as we talk about um, being mindful of your fatigue levels and of your boundaries, like you said, sometimes there's just times where you have to do something and you don't have the luxury of just dropping it and being able to rest, you know, now that Mm -hmm. we're back into normal, normal, quote unquote, life. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, for all our talk about boundaries, the reality is there are times where you can't have a boundary, at least for me mm -hmm. as a business owner, that is very true. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I, if I turn down work, then my business suffers. So, and if I miss a deadline, then my business suffers. And if I don't pull my own weight, then my business suffers. So, um, there are points where you just don't have it. And parenting, great example. You don't, Mm -hmm. uh, there is, okay. What, what brand there's a NyQuil commercial, I think, or there was a campaign that they did a couple of years ago. And it's like, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Cause I didn't have kids at the time. And I always thought it was kind of like, it made sense, but it was kind of silly, but it's like a dad walks into his kid's room and his daughter or son is in their crib and, um, they're sick or something or no, he's sick. He's That's what sick. it is. And yeah. he's like, I'm going to take the day off yep. <laughs> um, to the kid. It doesn't work that way. You, yeah. you know, you, you don't get to say to your, you know, four or five year old, Hey, I'm really tired today. So I'm going to sleep in. Can you make your own breakfast? Right. <laughs> you got this doesn't right. Work that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, you know, you don't always have that option. And so like, what do you do when you don't have the option? I mean, for us, it was like, you guys texted and wanted to see if we had to like, wanted to have dinner. And we were like, as much as we would love to hang out with you guys, we can't, like, we just need to recharge our batteries. And that sucks because it's sacrificing like important social time with people you love, but we just had, we just had to hibernate this weekend. So I think that's the silver lining is that if you're going through a rough spot and there's stuff that you just have to do, you know, hopefully on the flip side, you can have that time to recharge and to take, you know, time for yourself and to get your boundaries back in place. Um, Mm -hmm. It never has to be a permanent thing. Yeah, you have to find the places where you can do that. And I think we're really fortunate in that we have you guys and you understand when we say we can't do something or we understand when you say you're too exhausted to do something because we get it. Mm -hmm. Um, The part that feels extra hard is if it honestly, if it had been a dinner invite from anybody else, it would have been a harder conversation to have. We just knew that with you guys, it would be like an okay, you know, like we totally get it. Totally get it. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's. I don't know. Do you still run into that with people, with your family or with your friends, like um, feeling just, like guilty about having to say no to something or saying no to something, but feeling like they're maybe nice about it, but they're a little miffed in some way? Yeah, I think I think that's, you know, for the most part, everyone's super understanding. And I haven't had a lot of social encounters because of That's true. the way have, life is we now. We have the pandemic <laughs> to protect our social lives. <laughs> right. But I do think like the times that I have been able to get together with people and I've had to take a break and step out um, and go take a nap or walk away. I think people get it. But I think it's also, uh, you know, like, is she OK? You know, there there's more mm-hmm. of that, like is she okay? Is everything all right? Like, why is this still bothering? Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just an explanation. I think the further you get from the brain injury, the less understanding people are. Mm. I haven't encountered anything. Because for them it's faded. Yeah. Right. Mm. I think 
because we have this show, a lot of people in my circle recognize probably more than they would have if we didn't have it because I'm vocal mm. on here. Um, yeah. So it's helpful, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Somebody on a an online board the other day had posted something about like, how do you explain your brain injury to people so that they understand what you're going through? And it's a question I think we've all had to grapple with at some point. Um, but I don't know that there necessarily is a way. Um, honestly, go tell them to listen to the Making Mad Way podcast, right. <laughs> like a lot of the episodes, because I don't think you can really understand unless you've listened to a lot of these episodes, because, you know, like everybody has a different mix of symptoms or issues or, you know, whatever. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, there's no it's one way. It's just... Yeah. It highlights even more the fact of just how much you need to be comfortable with getting to know yourself and getting mm. to know your boundaries and your triggers and what you need and being comfortable voicing that. And that can be super yeah. hard. A lot of us aren't raised to be a self-advocate. Yeah. I wasn't. No. It wasn't yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, I think for all intents and purposes, like we're raised to think of others and to be kind and, um, to love others. And, you know, and at least in my family, it was, let's make the road, you know, easy for everybody. Let's, let's smooth it out and mm -hmm. just not rock the boat. And sometimes mm -hmm. to be mindful of what you need for yourself, it requires a little rocking of the boat and it requires a little standing up. And sometimes there are bumps. Yeah. And we can't fix yeah, that. In my family, others. there was like this mentality that you lead by example, like you set an example for others mm -hmm. um, and treat others the way you would like to be treated. Mm -hmm. And while I commend that totally, it's a nice There's way of doing it, it. I kind of think sometimes leading by example needs to be a little like take a harder line. Um, and for like at least now, it's like, you know, for me. I feel a little bit differently about what leading by example looks like. Um, sometimes it means not shutting up about something if it bothers you. Mm -hmm. That's um, it. Yeah. Or, like the example. Or not being quiet about something. Um, you know, I think we see a lot of that struggle nationwide right now as our country grapples with race issues and, you know, like the difference between staying quiet and saying and using your voice but it goes like right down to the personal level. It's like taking care of yourself and using your voice when you need to use your voice um, and not silencing yourself because it seems like the nicer or more comfortable thing to do. Mm. So, Yeah, it's it's questioning yeah. what's the example that we're trying to have people follow us on. Yes. I think the example growing up was that you can just be kind and quiet and loving and just kind of be, you know, don't rock the boat. Like I just said, don't and rock the boat. Yeah. Why mm -hmm. is that the example? Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. Did you ever figure right? it out? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> why is that the example? I think that's, it makes perfect sense though. Why we're, we're questioning the example that we want to give mm -hmm. to others. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a weird thing as an adult to be questioning, um, your, way of operating for your entire life, honestly, um, mm -hmm. but important yeah. nonetheless. So, yeah. 
and maybe others have felt this too, but brain injury for me has brought me to question a lot of how my defaults, a lot of my defaults and how Mm -hmm. I functioned and is this serving me? And Mm -hmm. um, as we talked about earlier, that fear piece of, you know, am I doing this because I'm scared that if I don't, I'll get in trouble? Or am I doing Mm -hmm. this because this is actually something good and valuable for me and my family? Um, Yeah. I think that question, is this serving me, is a really good one. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I think there's, it's easy to struggle with that question because it feels like a selfish question, yes, but actually like how, how much has, have we talked about in society, uh, self-care, like mm-hmm. where's the line between self-care and selfishness? And I, for me, it's like, does this hurt someone else? Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think most of the things that I think are selfish or like in the past, I would mm-hmm. think were selfish. We're actually not hurting any else it just meant I wasn't serving others as much um so it's that listening to the ego versus the intuition um Mm. which Joanne Susie got into a little bit in her episode I believe I also go to her as a coach so I can't remember where Mm -hmm. I heard it (laughs) but when it's intuition and when you're following your intuition generally the outcome is going to be something that helps more than just you Um, so if by doing self-care and by doing something that makes you feel better impacts those around you, like say, you know, doing that workout makes your mental health so much better so that you're able to be a more present mother, you're able to be a better, um, coworker, um, then that's not selfish. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you're shutting out the whole world and you're, (laughs) you know, um, getting your nails done when really you should be at a meeting, that's, that's probably more selfish. <laughs> you know, it's not <laughs> impacting or helping anybody else. And I'm not against getting your nails done. Sometimes that is self-care, but just looking at the impacts that your actions have, um, it's just a different way of thinking of it. And then Absolutely. like your ego, and this is, I've been learning a lot about ego. It's not a bad thing, but your ego is always very self-protective it's always that voice that um, doesn't want you to really move on because you're comfortable where you are. Um, even if you're uncomfortable with where you are, this is what you know. So that a lot of the times that fear, the I can't, the what ifs, the, you know, all of that is um, an ego based way of thinking because your body's just naturally trying to protect your mind's trying to protect you from stepping into mm-hmm. a trap or a snare. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to separate the two, the intuition from the ego. Let's take deep breaths. Let's listen, you know, okay, thank you for teaching me that this could be, you know, that this moment in life, this decision I'm making right now could have an impact. Yes. It doesn't have to have a negative impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that intuition piece is an important one, especially, well, I mean, like we've touched on fear a fair amount in this conversation, but like anxiety is the thing that keeps you from being able to listen to that intuition the most, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, at least for me, certainly for me the too. case. Um, yeah. yeah. And being, and how much anxiety have we had during this pandemic? So much. I mean, I just touched on one tiny corner of it. 
<laughs> this, right. telling you guys the story of my last week, but it's been a lot of extra anxiety um, and fear in our lives. So, yeah, actually, it's a um, good time to touch on this. Susan Gorman, who was a guest we had a while back, um, is an intuitive counselor, and she actually just launched an Intuition 101 course. It's an online course, and it's um, super inexpensive. You sign up on her website and you get a daily email with um, like basically musings and reflections on how to tap into your intuition and slough off that anxiety and um, comes with a meditation. It's really cool actually. So if anybody's interested, check it out. But it is really cool. We'll definitely put that in the show mm -hmm. notes. Yeah. So. so I think we're starting to wind down a little bit. Is there any final words of wisdom that you were hoping to impart or have we hit on all of them? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think, you know, like by the time this episode airs, I'll be fully vaccinated. And I like, I can't speak enough to how much positivity that brings. I mean, like the day that I got my first vaccination, <laughs> The guy who um, administered it was super nice, but, and I like literally just wanted to hug him, but I didn't want to creep him out. But I think like I, there's so much tough stuff right now, and I think it's important to focus on the good and and focus on what you can change in your life and um and in the world around you. Um, I think it's really easy to be swimming in the negative stuff right now and for the last year, truly. So, um, and also ride the waves <laughs> like mm -hmm. this last, this last week for my family was a wave, um, but not let it, uh, detract from the positivity, you know, so, exactly. which I certainly, I sunk into the mire at one point, but, um, but yeah, yes. keep yourself out of that mire. Yeah, on, not getting pulled under. That's yeah. A good one. Well, thank you everyone for joining us as we just kind of chat back and forth. And hopefully <laughs> there's something valuable that came out of this conversation. Um, we love hearing from you all. So please, you know, feel free to reach out to us on makingheadwaypodcast.com. So for everybody that thank you for listening and please come back next time. This is Erin signing out. Hey everyone, in case you're wondering what Erin and I do for a living, it's not podcasting. I work in marketing, Erin's a nurse, and this is just a side project that we love. We really do enjoy doing this and we've enjoyed being part of the community and building up a group of listeners. You guys probably don't even realize how much you help us out uh, just by supporting us. If you were looking to do a little bit extra, uh, we would love to have your ratings on Apple or whichever podcasting service that you use. Or if you hear us talk about a product on the podcast, we do include those links to Amazon in our show notes on our website. Your purchase after you click on the link just gives us a tiny little kickback. Nothing much, but it helps us pay our bills. And if you were thinking, well, this isn't enough, we want to do a little bit more on our website at www.makingheadwaypodcast.com. We have a donation page. Any proceeds we receive, we give 10% to our favorite brain injury nonprofit of the moment. So if you are looking to do a little bit more, that would be a great way to support us. Again, we appreciate you guys oh so much. Thanks so much for your time and your ongoing support. We love our listeners and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. 
Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean.